This year, millions will be diagnosed with low energy, but Planet Fitness has the cure. Boost your energy with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs for $1 down and $10 a month. Join the judgment-free zone today. Deal extended to Wednesday, April 12th. See Home Club for details. Selling your car on cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com is magical. Click or tap to sell your car on cars.com today. Good morning, everyone. This is Forging the Falcons Wednesday mornings. We took last week off, but we are back, and I think we should be here pretty much for the duration now. I am Scott Kennedy out of Atlanta. This is Nick Kendall on this side. He's at Seattle. We are coast to coast to talk football with you this morning. And Nick, how are you this morning? I'm feeling pretty good. A little bit, I don't want to say stressed, but you know, we're in the middle of a move again. And uh, moving is no fun. So uh have a lot to do. The movers are coming Friday and going to be pretty busy um, from here till probably Sunday and beyond then unpacking. So moving sucks. Uh, yeah, There's yeah, no two ways about it. About the, I've been married. <clears throat> I got married in 2000, so it's easy to count the years. It's just what year is it? Okay, 22, 22 years or so. And I've been in about three yelling fights where like one of us yelled uh in our lives and i think two of them had to do with moving uh it's just like the only time in my life i'm like all right i've got my stuff in my car i could just drive i could just keep going (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's about it god moving's awful it's it's just awful i said the next time i'm gonna move it's gonna be with a can of gas and a match i'm just gonna burn it all down man get the pets get the kids get my computer torch the rest of it man i've had enough we're gonna start from scratch so i uh i sympathize with you and it doesn't get easier because you don't lose more stuff yeah as you go through the years yep so uh, that's gonna be my life here for the next two weeks or so so uh other than other than work and uh football so happy to be here taking a break from packing and moving stuff over to the house well here's the format this morning y'all and i told nick uh, as he comes in i said i'm gonna explain the format to you when i explain it to everybody else because you know i have faith that you'll be able to pick up on this but someone posted the other day how about a positive on under one of my posts how about a positive post for once i'm like you know you're right you're right how about a a a positive post and you know, it, it's hard for me, again, a Cleveland-born, lifelong Atlanta sports fan. It, I'm a cynical SOB. I mean, I've seen a lot of injury. I, I joked for years until the Falcon, or until the Braves won this last year. I said the only way I was ever going to get a championship was when the two teams, the two cities played each other, which was, you know, 30 years ago now, 90, 1995, Indians and, uh, and, and Braves in the 95 World Series. Um, so I'm cynical. Without a doubt, for yeah. good reason, for good reason. If you go and look at the all-time winning percentages of the Atlanta Falcons, they're like 30th out of out of teams. They're, they've been a bad franchise for, for a long time. But there are reasons for optimism. And, and frankly, one of the reasons I try and keep everybody even keel right now is because I really like Arthur Smith. I do. And I think he did a fantastic job last year to get seven wins out of that roster. And if you look at the power rankings, if you look at roster rankings, no matter where you look, the Falcons are bottom five. And that's usually towards the bottom of that bottom five. They're usually at 30, bottom three. And I don't want people just to automatically say, well, they won seven last year. They should improve and win 10 this year. And then when they don't, to to start turning on Arthur Smith and say, you know, I want a new coach. Yeah. I mean... A lot of the advanced statistics point to this team probably taking a step back. Matt Ryan's probably better than Marcus Mariota, et cetera, et cetera. But there are still things to be excited about. I think this is more like the Broncos, you know, two years ago where, you know, you have some young players coming coming of age and be like, okay, we have some things building here. It's not ready to take off yet, but you know what? That's okay. Um, as long as you have positive inertia and direction. And I think the Falcons do have some things like that that we can be excited about, even if the overall product this year we predict to be somewhat lesser uh, compared to what the national average is. Yeah. And I think there's a, you know, a good example, you know, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, look at the Bengals, how quickly they turned it around. No, no, they didn't. They didn't turn it around quickly. 
it was a process. So I look at this team as where the, the Bengals were three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you were to say, okay, the Falcons are going to be legit Super Bowl contenders in 2025, I think that's plausible. 2022, no, not this year. 2023 is, I think, when the rebuild fully starts with when you get all your money back from your your uh, your dead cap money. <clears throat> um, and if, if you don't understand that, I'm going to say it again at the top. The Falcons are playing with about 30% less money than everybody else because of their dead cap money. And in football... You know, we used to say 15, a 15 scholarship reduction was like a death penalty. That was crippling. Sanctions, they're just awful. Well, now do that with 25 scholarships removed, and you're going out there and you're playing with 60 guys against 85 scholarship players. You're going to get killed. Well, the Falcons are doing that this year. Uh, I looked it up, and they're $63 million before anything happens with Deion Jones, $63 million of dead cap money on about a 210 uh a $210 million salary cap. They only have four players, Nick, that are above $6 million on their payroll, on their cap hit this year. Only four. What could you do with 10 more $6 million players on this roster? 10. You've only got four now. You could take 10. Do you think this team would be better? So that's what you're fighting against this year. However, there are reasons for optimism, and we're going to get into a bunch of those today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think if you had 10 players of 6 million plus, defense would look a lot better on paper. As uh, Tommy Simmer says, Atlanta's defense needs a ton of help. Yeah, and I want to say, before we get started too much, I want to say good morning to some of the folks that have come in. Make sure you're hitting that like and share. Uh, The the numbers steadily increase, and it's kind of unfortunate. The highest viewership is at the very end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, you know, hit those likes and shares and get as many people in here as we can, and we can keep the chat going. Um, but EJ was in here early, says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Let's talk some football. Tommy Simmers also. Let's talk Falcons and NFC South. And Keith Robbins, one of our first guys coming in over on Facebook. And uh, and Charles Clark has a comment, too. He says, I noticed the Falcons are keeping low-key. We don't hear or see as much on the rookies like previous years. Um, you know what else, Charles, is we don't hear any of this win now baloney. I mean, they won't say rebuild. But, you know, last year we were hearing that they brought us here to rebuild or, you know, anything. They, they brought in the wrong guys. We're here to win now. No, no, you're not. And that's what they were saying. It was yap, 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 yap. But then every move was a rebuild, was, was moving towards a rebuild. So um, that was, uh, you know, when you eat $60 million in cap and dead cap money and move on from your franchise quarterback, it's a rebuild. They won't say it, but it is. However, again... There's some good pieces here and there's reasons for optimism. So what we're going to do is Nick and I, it might just be me, we'll we'll do it, but we can alternate reasons why this team could be better than last year. You know, I'll, I'll start and then we'll also break down the, the plausibility. How likely is that to happen? You know, how could this team get better? Well, Jalen Mayfield becomes an all pro guard. Okay, well, that's not going to happen, but he could get better. That's one reason the Falcons could be better than this year. He was the worst pass blocking guard of, Offensive lineman in the NFL last year by pro football focus. The worst. He was 21 years old. He only played 14 games in college. He played more games. He started more games in the NFL than he did in college. He's a rookie, 21-year-old rookie. There's reason to think he could get better. So those are the type of things once we're that we're gonna go through. And uh Nick, I'll start. And and this is the one that I wanted to talk. One of the reasons the Falcons could be better than last year. Uh, EJ comes in and says Desmond Ritter will be a star once he learns the intricacies of playing quarterback in the NFL. So I'm not going to start with Ritter, but I will say that Marcus Mariota and the combination of Desmond Ritter could be a better fit for the offense, the Arthur Smith offense, than what Matt Ryan was able to do, and could have more success because of their ability to run the ball and give the defense different looks. That is one reason why the Falcons could be better than this year, than than they were last year. The plausibility, Nick, of that happening where they get an improvement at quarterback, losing Matt Ryan and replacing with some combination of Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter is what? How how likely do you think that is to happen? I'm not very good with odds, so I'll put it at 30%. I do th- I do agree with you that it's a better fit for the scheme and especially with the offensive line questions having a little bit mobility it's not even just giving the defense different looks it's buying your way out of bad situations um and i think Mariota and desmond ritter can do that but i i am 
I've always been a big Matt Ryan sympathizer fan, whatever you want to call it. I think he's been massively underrated, um, been borderline top 10 his entire career. And I, I really think he's going to be great on the Colts this year. Um, so I think it's probably less likely, even though they are better fits, Matt Ryan's accuracy, intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. I think more than overcomes that, but it's definitely possible. And uh, as EJ says, Desmond Ritter has a chance to be a star. Um, Desmond Ritter, by all accounts, is a A-plus intangibles character person as well, as is Marcus Mariota. So uh, I don't think you're going to take too big of a step back there in the leadership department. And I think it's going to be able, it's going to be beneficial in the long term for Arthur Smith to implement this offense. And again, it's more of a long-term perspective with the quarterback position. Yeah, and and Matt Ryan had very little help last year. Yeah. You know, going into the season, coming out of the draft, you're thinking, okay, Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. One of those guys finished playing. Uh, and, and one of them only played the entire season. One of them was gone at the beginning before the season started. And one of them was absent for five games and then literally gone the rest of the season. So, and the offensive line. So, you know, down here they say, oh, if we only had a mobile quarterback, you know, you'd avoid all those sacks. It's, you know, the mobile quarterbacks get sacked too a lot because they yeah. try and extend plays. Yeah. I don't expect, honestly, I don't expect a huge drop off at the quarterback play because Matt Ryan didn't have a good year last year because he was so outmatched and overmanned. Now, did that get any better? You know, it, it, are the weapons around him better? Will the fit be better? Will the running game be better so that you can help your quarterback a little more, that you can get a similar statistical season? Um, you know, and, and improve in other parts of the game. So while you say 30, I think the quarterback play can actually be improved a little bit just this year. And I would have said the same thing with Matt Ryan staying. I think Matt Ryan would have been better this year too. So I think the quarterback play in Atlanta can improve. Obviously it can. I think it might be a little bit better. I think it's more like a 50-50 chance maybe that it's a better fit for here. So um, so we'll see, we'll, we'll see, but that was one of the reasons, uh, for me and Jeremy Sean coming in saying, good morning, forgers. I'm forging the Falcons. Good morning, Jeremy. Welcome in and falling sloth coming in also saying, good morning, everyone. Hope y'all are having a great day. It has gotten better now. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce your name. Um, just Rue or, or you, you have to help me out with that one. Ken he says, got to have faith in the team. Trust the process. We will rise again. Man, I, I am a long, long time Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta sports guy. I don't trust the process. I don't have blind faith. I want to see it. I like what I've seen so far, though, but I do not have blind faith. I trust that coaches and executives are doing their best to try and make the right decision. I don't have faith that they will because they're human beings. They make mistakes. Yeah. And that's what we're here for. So we're we're here to talk about the things that could happen and the things that could change. Um, so I, uh, you know, I don't have blind faith that they're going to do it right. That's illogical. Yeah. Uh, I have faith and I have trust that they're going to do what they think is best. But when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're doing these things, you always have doubts. Was Kyle Pitts, the right pick. Should I have gone a different way? Should I have taken that trade? Could I have done this? Could I have done that? There's second guessing. There's doubts all the time. So yeah. uh, I, I appreciate the the comment on that. But the trust the coaches mantra has driven me crazy for two decades. Uh, I trust them to do what they think is best. I don't trust them to get it right. Because most of the time, not most of the time, but half the time they don't. That's just how it works out. All right, I'm going to give you a chance, Nick. Give me a reason why there's reason for optimism. How can this team get better than they were last year? Uh, Kyle Pitts takes a step forward. I mean, Kyle Pitts, I think, actually has the potential to be the single best weapon in all of football. Um, he's one of the youngest players in the NFL last year. I think he had the longest wingspan of any pass catcher ever coming out through the combine. And even though he was the really the only guy uh, for that Falcons team last year, I guess Russell Gage, you know, I want to give him a shout out as well, mm -hmm. but um, Kyle Pitts was the alpha and the Omega for that Falcons offense, as far as pass catching weapons. And uh, now he's got a little bit better talent around him. Um, and he's going to be what? 22 years old this year. I think Kyle Pitts has a chance to be not only good, but, but special like a mm -hmm. S tier type of player and uh, should be even better this year. And the fact that tight ends historically take, 
two to three years to really hit the ground running. And we already saw that much production last year, his versatility. Can he play X? Can he play Y? He can play Z. He can play F. I mean, all of these different spots in the offense. So Kyle Pitts, I mean, if I was going to get a Jersey right now for the Falcons, it would be Pitts. That dude is d- different. And I'm really excited to see what he can do going forward. He's a six foot six Shannon Sharp with a four four forty. Yeah, you know it's a, <clears throat> a very similar type of player where you're a, you do play tight end, but you're <clears throat> absolutely one hundred percent a a pass catching first tight end. Uh, Tommy comes in and says, "Can he block? He can block. You know he's got a wingspan. He can he can he can line up at end and give the nose guard a, sh- uh, a line up a tight end and give the nose guard a bump. He's got mm-hmm. such long arms." Um, the plausibility of him taking a step forward, I think, is very high. Um, Selling your car on cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com is magical. Click or tap to sell your car on cars.com today. At the very least, he had one touchdown last year. That should improve. That's that's a, a, a statistic that we should see. Even if they're draping three guys over him, you should see better play calling and, and better things you can do. Matt Ryan has never been a very good red zone quarterback, and part of that is because he's very rarely had a good offensive line uh, in his 14 years, and he's always, you know, third and long and under duress and they're dropping guys into coverage. You know, we highlighted a play last year against the 49ers. They dropped nine guys into coverage. The two interior linemen dropped off the line to cover short and, and the two ends went right by the, the, the offensive tackles. They got a two man pressure and nine in coverage on a third and eight. I'm like, what are you supposed to do, man? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Matt Ryan sucks in the red zone. Well, yeah, Joe Montana would suck in the red zone when you're getting pressure with two guys and, and dropping nine into coverage. I want to say good morning to Ethan, the DWI guys over across the pond. It says morning, gents. Good morning to you as well. And Joe Cannon coming in on Facebook. Make sure y'all are hitting the, that uh, those likes. So far, I got Charles and uh, Ulysses James with likes over on Facebook. So make sure you're hitting that that number. So the um, the probability that he goes up from let's call it 1050, I think he was about last year in one touchdown. I think that's a, a high probability. 17 games, you're talking 60 yards a game and a touchdown every other game, and he comes in with 1100 yards and six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. I think I think that is. Uh, that's a fairly safe bet for sure. So um, my turn, my turn. And uh, one of the ones that I wanted to say, and I'll just go ahead since Roderick has brought it up too, uh, Richie Grant shows some value. So other than Kyle Pitts, the there wasn't a lot of impact play from the uh, the Falcons draft picks last year. Now there were some players, you know, Ogundeji played, Taquan Graham played, uh, Avery Williams played. But there wasn't a lot of positive impact. Uh, Richie Grant was a guy I was very high on coming out of the Senior Bowl. I liked the the, the draft pick, and he didn't get a, he didn't do much last year. So it bothers me a little bit because he's an older guy. He he didn't come out as a twenty year old rookie like Jalen Mayfield or twenty years old start his first NFL game at twenty years old like Kyle Pitts. I think he was twenty four last year. He'll be twenty five this year. He's a grown man. I need to see more from Richie Grant this year. Can he take that step up as a second round pick as a safety for goodness sakes? Uh, who was taken, you know, just a couple spots ahead of him? Holland, mm-hmm. Javon Holland, Javon yep. Holland, who ended up like making the pro bowl, you know, as a rookie, yeah. you know, in that similar area. And Richie Grant was a special teams guy and just didn't make the impact. Can he make a leap from reserve to, average starter in the NFL in one if he can that's a reason to be optimistic if he can the backside of your defense is going to be really really good yeah can be a lot better I still question the uh secondary depth I think secondary is more about depth than anything Casey Hayward on the back end of it uh Eric Harris has been fine but Richie Grant needs to step forward you need that class last year a lot of those guys to uh take some big steps forward um and it's you know those rookie cost-controlled contracts you need to start stacking 
draft classes and with Jalen Mayfield and Richie Grant playing below average as far as the average starter for their position last year's, some of them well below average. Uh, those guys got to step forward. So can Richie Grant show some value? Yes. Um, the fact that he's a little bit older, the fact that he plays a position that typically um, if you take them that early and they're not already showing very well, it can be a concern. Um, like you Broncos took, what was it? Caden May, uh, Caden Stearns last year in the fifth round. And I think he's already shown more uh, than Richie Grant um, being, you know, three or four years younger as well. But um, Grant has some ball hawking skills and I think he should be better this year, even with the, uh, or especially because what I'm going to say is my, um, my thing here, uh, improved options as at the pass rush position. Uh, the last year, the Falcons had wor the worst pass rushing unit in all of football. Uh, the Broncos were not too far ahead of them, but the Falcons were the worst. I'll, having watched both, Falcons were more painful to watch. Um, but this year, they threw some resources at it, and uh, I really love the specifically the double dipping of the uh, pass rush specialist type of players in both uh, Doug Malone and Arnold Ebiketti. I loved Arnold Ebiketti coming out, plays with his hair on fire, uh, can do a lot of different things. Love his build. It kind of is an Elvis Doomerville type of build where he's short and squat, but he's lengthy as heck. So he almost always wins the leverage battle. And uh, Malone as well, a um, really good pass rusher. The fact that you did double dip, I think gives you a chance that one of those guys is going to hit and be a long-term value piece and give you a pass rush option on the cheap for the next four years. Um, and I, I love the strategy of if you need something bad enough, Double dip. Use your resources there because then you're doubling your chances of getting a hit. Okay, so Nick went ahead and rolled into his reason for the next one, which to, which to me was uh, the pass rush should be improved in 2022. And frankly, yes. it's almost statistically impossible to be worse uh, yeah. than it was last year. I mean, the Falcons finished last. Okay, they finished last. But they didn't just finish last. They had 18 sacks, and the second worst team was 29. That's insane. I mean, the, to be that much worse than the the next worst team in the NFL is, it's like, oh yeah, we just hired, we just signed a guy, he, he got ten sacks for us, and we still finished last in the NFL. That's almost impossible, man. The fact that AJ Terrell was that good with him being, behind, you know, with him with absolutely zero pass rush, is a testament to how good AJ Terrell's season was last year. So, uh, Nick submits that the pass rush should be better with uh Ebiketti, <clears throat> D'Angelo Malone coming in and the signing of Lorenzo Carter to mm -hmm. replace Dante Fowler. Can he have a better season than Dante Fowler did last year? The odds on that for me is hundred um, percent. Maybe not the, you know, if Lorenzo Carter is just as good as uh, Dante Fowler. Okay. That's, that's, you know, that should happen. That's not hundred percent, but that, that's, that should be as good. But Stephen Means on the other side was a, I wouldn't even say a, a, a tackling dummy because he didn't tackle anybody. I mean, he had some tackles. I'm, I'm not being fair, but he was a, a blocking guard. I, it was, he, he didn't do anything positively in the, in the offensive backfield. I think he had two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, and they came in the same game against the Jets in like week four or, or something crazy. So he went, started. 15 games last year and didn't have a sack and had one tackles for loss. That's almost statistically impossible. It really is. So the pass rush is going to improve. That is absolutely a reason for optimism. If the pass rush improves, your defense on the whole is going to improve. Some folks coming in here, Dom coming in, uh, Dominic Jaramillo coming in on YouTube and Facebook and JV resurrection coming in. Watching here in Puroc, Rizal, Gamal, Isabella, Philippines. That is a mouthful, and we're glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And Chris Jenkins says, Morning, Scott and Nick. Hope all is well. And Michael Lahutsky uh, La La coming in. I'm sure I butchered that, Michael. I apologize. I'm sure I'm not the first one. Whenever they called roll for you in elementary school, you just roll your eyes and say, Yeah, that's me. I, I just quit. Uh, I quit correcting people eventually. And Albert coming in also uh, as well. So another reason for optimism is the pass rush will be improved. And I'm going to put that one at 100%. So if it's 35% that the quarterback play improves, it is 100% that the pass rush improves. 100%. Um, 18 sacks when the next lowest is 29 I mean, I think TJ Watt had more sacks than the Atlanta Falcons last year. I think yeah. and he might not have been alone. That was 
unbelievable. It really is. It's a statistical anomaly how bad they were. Yeah. EJ um, coming in and has a question. Has Jalen Mayfield offensive guard shown signs of improvement? Now, I touched on this one at the beginning. And I'm going to roll in the offensive line. I'll roll in uh, Caleb McGarry in the right tackle spot with this. Reason for optimism is because the left guard position and right tackle position will be better in 2022 than they were in 2021. Jalen Mayfield is will get will get pushed um, a little bit. Uh, I, I think there's uh, you know uh, the rookie from Georgia. Help me out with his name, Nick. Is it Schaefer that they drafted? Yep. Um, that will will help push him. But Mayfield again, it's not his fault that he wasn't ready to play. I don't blame him. He was drafted to push Caleb May uh, Caleb Mayfield Caleb McGarry at right tackle. Uh, that wasn't the right for him. He's got a guard mentality, and he'd never played guard, and he only started 14 games in college between COVID and all this other stuff. He only played 14 games at Michigan before he was drafted. He wasn't ready. Uh, he just turned 22 in March, so he is 22 years old. He was young, super young. It's a grown man's position where your your prime for the offensive line is like 28 to 33 years old. He's still a kid. He's a baby. Will he get better? Yes. Will he be good enough? I don't know. Can he work his way up from awful to just bad would be an improvement. To just below average would be a massive improvement yeah. at, at left guard. At right tackle, Jermaine Afridi, I know the Chicago Bears fans that I spoke with aren't real high on him, but Caleb McGarry was terrible last year. He And he's, and he's been bad and he's getting worse. So Afridi's going to come in and push him at right tackle. If he ends up winning that spot, it should be an improvement. Do I have full faith that the right tackle position will improve? Yes, I do. I think it's going to get better. I think it's going to get better. I want to say hello to our first super chat of the day. Mark Schrader coming in from Texas, coming in orange. Thank you so much, Mark. Such a uh, a very, uh, you know, just a, a great supporter of the show and everything we do. And we love you for it, Mark. So thank you so much. So the offensive line improvements, Nick, yes or no? Does it happen? I think it's a coin flip on that one um, because uh, we didn't even really talk that much about Matt Hennessy, uh, who could be, he needs to take a step forward this year. He's slightly below average, which is fine if you have other good pieces around him on a rookie contract. But um, <clears throat> you could, last year I thought that uh, Matthews was fine. I know he's very highly paid, but it's hard to find even competent tackles in today's NFL. So the fact that he is competent, he's going to get paid. And uh, the big kicker here is knock on wood, but uh, Mayfield was, uh, excuse me, not Mayfield. Um, uh, Lindstrom was more or less healthy last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get an injury to either the left tackle or the right guard, the thing could go down in a hurry. So I think that one is not as, even if you have the players around them uh, improve slightly, if you lose one of those guys, even if, you know, for four or six games, the product could be drastically worse. Right. I'm trying to think, you know, I don't, I don't, injuries are hard to predict. Yeah. I, I try to leave the injury factor out of it. Cause I mean, I feel like we could say that about a lot, you know, if this guy goes down, throw it all out the window. Yeah. If everybody's healthy, do they get better? Um, they should, but the thing is too, with the, I always account for injuries and it's the mm -hmm. unknown in depth and whatnot. You, the floor is so much lower because I don't really feel confident about some of those guys behind him. And right. for the offensive tackle, I mean, Name me one team in the NFL that feels good about their offensive tackle depth. I don't think that's what I mean. You know, yeah. when we're talking about key positions like that, where you're spending big money, you yeah. know, quarterback um, and offensive tackle specifically, you know, those are, those are big ones. Um, but I do think Justin Schaefer, <clears throat> if Justin Schaefer were to start this year, he would be better than Jalen Mayfield was last year. Yeah. So I expect the guard position to improve right. Tackle is still a problem. Yeah. Um, right tackle is still a problem. And also, um, don't, let's not forget uh, Dolman as well. Uh, has a chance to maybe the fourth round pick in uh, 2021 mm -hmm. out of Stanford. Has a chance to push Tennessee, maybe push Mayfield as well. Uh, wouldn't completely uh, skip out on him yet, but uh, also I wanted to say hello to Mark Schrader. Uh, thank you for the kind comments. Um, reaching out to me when I was dealing with the, the Rona bug and uh, liking on some of my pictures from my uh, backpacking journey this weekend. Um, if, if hiking or backpacking is not hard enough for you, do it 10 days out from having a, a COVID infection because <laughs> that, that'll knock you out. That'll knock you out. I'm so yep. uh, Yeah. Mark's Mark's the real deal. We, we certainly yeah, appreciate you. And, and, and Michael says I was close. He's watching from Puerto Rico. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, the 51st state. 
you know, maybe one day Puerto Rico. I uh, hope you're hope you're enjoying yourself. Maybe a little bit of vacation. Uh, off topic here, just a little bit, real quick. KB says Kenneth Booker comes in. He says, does Peyton win another Super Bowl if he doesn't get cut by the Colts? The Pats were his kryptonite, and Denver was the Pats kryptonite in the playoffs. One loss coming with Tebow at quarterback. Uh, I'm gonna say so. no. I think I think it would it, it it he'd run his course in with Indianapolis a little bit like Matt Ryan in Atlanta. The belief had kind of gone. Yeah. You know, there it, he didn't he didn't own the room quite as much anymore. It just, at least that's how it felt like to me. I could be talking out of my hiney here, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I, I think. I think the window was closed in Indianapolis when uh, when when they when Peyton was gone. I mean, what did they go when the year that Peyton Manning was injured and missed the whole year was it like one and fifteen or two and fourteen? Um, he was keeping that team afloat, and they were pretty devoid of talent. I know they got much better uh, quickly with uh, Andrew Luck there. Andrew Luck was special, and also uh, that rookie cost controlled quarterback then was maybe even more beneficial then than it is today. Uh, so I don't think Peyton would have won another Super Bowl. And I also think that when you switch teams, there's kind of a, a recharge, a revitalization that you see, you know, the, the message that you're speaking, um, it doesn't fall on deaf ears anymore. You know, it's not the fifth or sixth year in the same thing. You're not complacent. It's new expectations and a jolt of energy. You kind of see, saw it with Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. I think you're going to see it with Russell Wilson coming to Denver this season. Um, so I think it's definitely, I don't think he would have won another Super Bowl in Indianapolis. So um, Albert coming in here, <clears throat> He says, what is the Falcons' greatest need still? Uh, and this gets me into um, why all the optimism can go out the window. <laughs> because the Falcons' greatest needs are in the trenches. Hmm. And for me, the greatest need for me... Nick, I'll let you go first. Uh, I'll let you go first. Bonafide top 10 franchise quarterback. Um, until you have that, you know, that's that's the way the NFL is right now. You can have all these auxiliary pieces. You can have a great defense, good offensive line, weapons. If you have a middle of the pack, you know, top 20 quarterback, odds are you're going to fall apart. And also your window of competition is going to be brief. Um, the one constant is that great quarterback position. So that's probably still the biggest thing. Not to totally, you know, crap on Mariota and uh, Desmond Ritter, who's still an unknown. Maybe, maybe he gets there, second round pick. He has a... Uh, long road uh, to get to that point. But uh, that's probably the biggest need in the overall uh, team building vantage point. Um, so my thought on this, when I heard still was like, what was a need that is still a need? Like the Falcons didn't have a huge need at quarterback. So I kind of took that one off and, and frankly, and, and you're right, Nick, that's, that's an easy one. Um, you know, we've been pointing at the quarterback class of 2023 for two years now. Hmm. Um, you know, if the Falcons are, Picking top three, they should be able to uh, to get one of those get one of those guys coming out. But my answer on this, Albert, is still the interior defensive line. Um, as bad as left guard was, guards should be fairly easy to upgrade. As bad as right tackle was, you can get serviceable at right tackle. But I'm going into this season, and I'm looking at Marlon Davison listed as one of the starters, and Taquan Graham listed as one of the starters next to with Grady Jarrett being on the outside. Marlon Davison, we can start writing in the B word for him. He's been bad. Uh, and when I say, you know, for I think he was a second or third round pick and he, he's been bad. So mm. bust is starting to be there. And you got him penciled in it at end at one of the starters. Taquan Graham played a lot. You're like, OK, great. You played a lot as a rookie. He was a very good surprise as a fifth round pick uh, in that neighborhood. I, I think it was fifth. But he wasn't he still wasn't good. He was, and you don't expect him to be. He wouldn't have lasted to the fifth round if I had planned on him being a starter. So you got a fifth round pick who played a lot. Does he make that leap to move up? Um, or Marlon Davidson, you're you're playing a 3-4 where you've got guys that are supposed to take on blockers and the, they got bullied in the trenches last year. And I don't know that they're any better. You know, they're still really bad in their front seven along the interior defensive line. So if you can't stop the run or run the ball, you're not going to be a good football team. And I'm not convinced this team's going to be able to stop the run. Um, so aside from quarterback, uh, which is an easy one, I still think despite the holes at uh, on the offensive line, as much as I'm not a fan of Kayla McGarry and, and, and know what uh, Jalen Mayfield goes, I'm still going to say defensive line, nose guard and defensive end uh, on, on that 3-4. 
would uh, would be for me. So um, let me see. Uh, other reasons for optimism. Casey Hayward is a massive upgrade on Fabian Moreau. Um, you've got one legit <clears throat> big-time corner in A.J. Terrell. He had a fantastic year last year. Can he be as good or even close? If he's even close, he's going to the Pro Bowl. Casey Hayward is a huge upgrade on Fabian Moreau. Fabian Moreau was a reserve guy with Washington, never really a starter, came in and got played as a starter. And his lack of effort in the run game to me made me angry. Yeah. Um, I, not even so much the coverage, but his inability to even get in the way of a wide receiver and just get, if somebody got the edge and frankly, they were going to get the edge because the Falcons didn't have athletes on the outside. Then there was, there was nothing there. He was running for the sidelines. He was letting himself get escorted to the sidelines. That made me angry watching yeah. him play. Um, Casey Hayward is one, he's better in coverage. There's no doubt about that Two, He's a whole lot tougher. Um, the, the cornerback tandem of Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell is legit. That's as good as any in the NFL. That's a good starting point. Now, if you can improve your safeties, that was one of the ifs. So the, the idea that your cornerback play is going to be better dropping Isaiah Oliver is a reason for optimism. And I put that one at hundred percent, Nick. 100% your cornerback play is going to be better. I agree with you. It will be better. I would not be so confident in Casey Hayward, though, and it's just because the historical precedent at the cornerback position. When those guys go, they go quick. Um, and But that's from... Moreau just, was so bad, though. I mean, yeah, he was I, I so agree. bad. Yeah, I you know, I agree with were, you. It will be better, but I there don't was think... three guys last year I was watching. I'm like, I'm like Caleb McGarry, Fabian Moreau, and Stephen Means cannot be starters in the NFL next year. Cannot. Yeah. And I may have even thrown in one of the safeties. I may have even thrown in, you know, Deron Harmon yeah. at that point, but they cannot, those guys are not NFL quality starters on a bad team. Yeah. They were so bad. It was glaring. You know, I, I like to say, you know, what do you know? You're not a coach. I know if it's obvious to an idiot like me watching from a million miles away, if it's obvious to me, by God, it's going to be obvious these guys making millions of dollars a year who can, you know, are getting paid to pick these guys apart. Yeah. So the 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 defensive secondary is going to be an improvement. I have full faith in that. I have faith in that because I've seen it. I've yeah, seen I get, it. I guess my pushback was more on the cornerback group being one of the top duos in football. Because, um, again, when cornerbacks mm -hmm. go, they go quick and saw that from. They do. I, I, I get that. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. It's just to me, part of that is how much. It, how good AJ Terrell is. And then if yeah. you can get average on the other side that yep. you're, you know, if you add up the numbers as far as, okay, well, he's a 98 and he's an 80. Well, who's better than 178? There's not a lot better, yeah. better than that out there. So I, um, I think on there. So for me, I, uh, Scott's, so is getting Dan Reeves vibes with his glasses on. Do you, Chris, do you ever have those days where sometimes I feel like I look like I'm in my 30s, and some days I feel like I look like I'm in my 70s. Today was one of those days. My eyes were just crap. I'm like, you know what? I'm putting glasses on. I don't care. <laughs> I look 100 years old today. <laughs> um, and Dave coming in. Um, Dave coming in on YouTube. We forgot. We haven't said hi to Dave. Um, the, the Falcons front three will be the key to the defense, not the secondary. And to me, the front three is scary, Dave, that that's, what's scary Now the front five should be improved. Yeah. Um, you get Steven means out of there and replace them with, uh, even a rookie in, in Ebiketti and, or Malone, uh, D'Angelo Malone. It's, it's going to be an improvement. Lorenzo Carter should at least be as good as Dante Fowler. The front three is Grady Jarrett. And I'll never forget. I, I need to find it. I should have bookmarked it the the clip of Grady Jarrett getting triple teamed and he's like damn y'all don't have anybody else to block and my reaction you know I'm talking to the screen was like no yeah. they don't Grady they don't have anyone else to block so they can put three on you um and that's that's what's uh that's what's so scary and 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 he says um Dave says you know Taquan Graham showed flashes Scott you know flashes okay he's he's penciled in as a starter um I, I need steady. I need productive. Um, he was good for, for and, and it's always a qualifier for a fifth round draft pick. He was a subpar starter in the NFL. Uh, how much better can he get? That's a big question. Um, 
We'll see. We'll see. But it, the the front three, the, the, those other two positions on the front of a three four scare the hell out of me. They really do. I think that's the that's the the scariest part for me. So, reason for optimism, Nick. I still have a few more. Believe it or I not, I do. I do as well. Okay, good. Um, my next reason for optimism is the state of the NFC South. Um, right now, there is no obvious long term team uh, in the NFC South that is like, oh my gosh, you know, they're set up to contend for the next five years and be a real problem. I think every single team in this NFC South has uh, massive question marks and flaws in that five-year window. Obviously Tampa Bay is a Super Bowl contender right now, but there's no way Tom Brady is going to play another five years. Right. Right. I mean, God, uh, who knows, but uh, we don't know how uh, Byron uh, Leftwich and everything is going to be there with their head coaching situation. That defense is good, but a lot of those guys are going to have to get paid here uh, pretty soon. Vita Vea is going to have to get paid here pretty soon. Devin White's going to be coming up on contract. Uh, we don't know how their, their edge rushing ability is going to hold up and uh, the offensive line as well. I mean, just all these question marks. I think once Tom Brady uh, retires, that that team becomes questionable. The Carolina Panthers are an absolute bleeping mess. Uh, the combination of David Tepper, who seems to have his heart in the right place, but not really maybe a little bit overzealous. Um, their head coach is a dead man walking, um, no doubt about it. The Saints are in a position without a great quarterback. They have good defense, but it's an aging defense. Dennis Allen, I love his scheme and what he does, but I don't think the the jump from head coach is going to be fortuitous for that franchise. So I think the NFC South uh, window opens up really nicely uh, with where the Falcons are going direction-wise, you know, 2024, 2025. I would guess Tom Brady is retired by then. Um, and uh, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. Uh, he's going to play until he's 82. Cyborg. Um, yeah, God, or an alien or something. Or a, a succubus taking the energy from his kids when he kisses them or whatever he does. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I think that the, uh, the state of the NFC South is a reason for optimism for the Falcons because in the long-term perspective, it is up for grabs. If there was a Joe Burrow in this division, if there was a Justin Herbert in this division, it would be a different conversation. Not the case. NFC South is theirs for the taking if you want it in the long-term perspective. Okay, so reason for optimism is you are playing <clears throat> six games against questionable opponents, depending on what Tampa Bay is doing. New Orleans is a question mark. Carolina is a question mark. Um, Tampa should still be pretty good, but, you know, home games. I mean, I, I the Falcons played with Tampa Bay both games last year until, you know, one of the scores really got away from them after a couple of special teams plays. That one got kind of nuts, but, you know, depth happens that way. The good teams usually end up winning the game. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think that is a, a really good reason. The, the problem is, is you're playing a 17 game season and that's only six games. You know, if you're able to get a split or even go four and two a division, a lot of stuff that you've got, a lot of your easier teams, the Seattle Seahawks, it's in Seattle. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a, that's a long, a long ways away. That's a tough road trip. Um, so the schedule is tougher, but the NFC South is a mess. Uh, right now, both Souths, the AFC South is kind of a mess right now, too. You know, looking at the power rankings from yesterday, I think the number one team in the AFC South was 14 with Indianapolis Colts. You know, that's a that's a pretty good division to uh, to want to be in. So um, Dave has a question on here. He says, uh, will we see the Falcons play some press man at times? I know Peace plays very conservative at the back end. He had to play conservative everywhere, Dave, which is you saw him. Uh, get just a little bit more and more frustrated with the questions as the season wore on. He's like, what do you expect me to do? I can't, I can send six guys and we can't get anybody at the quarterback. And if I leave four guys back here in coverage, they're going to get ripped. What do you want me to do? So um, I think I actually wrote a headline one time, you know, after one of those Dean Peace begs for help, begs for help. Uh, he got some, you know, he got three new edge rushers, Casey Hayward coming in and then, um, but you can only do so much, um, you know, in one off season when you're talking about a $65 million dead cap hit again, I'll say it again. For those of you all coming in the top 63 million dead cap, there are four players on this team that have a cap hit over $6 million. If you had your full allocation of resources, you could bring in 10 Six million dollar guys who would be ranked five through 14 on your total payroll. That's who you're playing without this year. That's who you're playing without. That's ridiculous. Thank you, Thomas Dimitrov. Thank you. And, uh, you know, thank you, Terry Fontenot, for ripping the band aid off and just eating that dead cap money this year and not just spreading it out over the next five years. 
that he did that and shipped off Matt Ryan. I mean, I know the whole situation was ridiculous, uh, how that came about, but it's better. It's better in the it's better in the short term and the long run to get that done. Matt Ryan was not going to survive this rebuild. This team is two or three years away. Matt Ryan was a good quarterback. He needed to be on a good team. Um, yes, you're going to see Dave. You're going to see them play some press man. You're going to see more blitz packages. You're going to see more things because they're better in the defensive secondary and the pass rush will be better. Yep. Yep. Um, absolutely. I think it's my turn. I think it's my turn. Um, and, and one of these guys that I wanted to see, and let me, let me see, cause it was brought up in the comments here. It was for Michael. Uh, Michael says, do you guys feel Troy Anderson is going to play a lot? One of my reasons for optimism is because I think Troy Anderson is a freaking beast. Um, Foya Luakon just got a three-year, $45 million contract or whatnot after he led the league in tackles. Um, I think Troy Anderson has the ability to make more plays. Foya was a very, very good linebacker. Um, Michael Walker is very good in coverage. Rashawn Evans is a big guy who is steady. He can, you know, we talk about the ceiling and the floors. Troy Anderson has a sky high ceiling. Um, he is a guy in the four fours, athlete extraordinaire, conference player of the year on both sides of the ball in college. The guy's a football player and he's an athletic freak. I watched him at the senior bowl next to Chad Muma, and I was convinced early and often that Troy Anderson was the higher ranked prospect on my board. I thought he, he just was, was better. I thought he read things better and I thought he arrived faster. Um, and I think the Falcons agreed. They took Anderson ahead of Muma. I love Troy Anderson. I think having him behind the defense will allow, behind the defensive line, will allow the Falcons to make more positive defensive plays from the linebacker spot. That, for me, is a reason for optimism. I love Troy Anderson. My big question with Troy Anderson is, how is he going to be able to handle getting hit on every play? Uh, because the defensive line in front of him is pretty porous. Um, so he's going to have to play through a lot of contact, especially in that three, four front. And uh, it's not going to be like playing at Montana state versus the competition he had there. He's going to have some very agile, massive, strong anchor vice grip hands, um, offensive linemen that are going to hit him almost every play, um, and run plays, uh, given the lack of talent and mass on the defensive line. So, um, hopefully his body can hold up because he's going to get, he's going to get punched fairly often. Good morning, Michael Ranquillo coming in on YouTube. This is good morning, Nick and Scott. Scott and Nick on Forging the Falcons. Good morning, Michael. We're, we are glad you're here. Um, and getting back to Troy Anderson, for me, seeing him at the Senior Bowl, um, you know, in, in a controlled environment meant a lot. And, you know, I know Muma didn't exactly play, you know, at Alabama or Georgia, but, uh, you know, he, he excelled in that environment. I, I've said a zillion times, I don't typically care what level of competition you're playing at as long as you're dominating it. And then let's bring you in and, and see if you measure up. If you take Herschel Walker, you know, or Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry played, Derrick Henry played like double A ball in Florida. It was a low level competition. He's still Derrick Henry. You know, he's still Derrick Henry. It doesn't matter if you put him at the biggest school or the smallest school, he's still Derrick Henry. Um, but don't play down to your competition. As long as you're dominating it, that's all I can ask. Now let's, move you up the ladder a little bit and that's what we're going to get a chance to see and and having those guys in front of him nick you know rashawn evans and michael walker will give him a chance to ease in a little slower um which i think will be very good for him um having a linebacker coach like dean peace that's a that's a benefit too <laughs> um yeah, I agree. let me see here uh chris walker coming i want to make sure we hit Chris says, morning, guys. I agree about the trenches. Hopefully the safety play is significantly improved. I'm concerned about the center position being settled. I don't think it is at the moment. I think the linebacker group has been significantly upgraded and is one of the strongest parts of the team. Chris, I agree on several levels on this. Uh, we talked about Matt Hennessy. PFF loved Matt Hennessy. If you're a PFF truther, you're going to say, what's the problem? Uh, the problem is I watched the games and Matt Hennessy got pushed around a lot. Um, that was the problem. Um, will having, you know, and here, let me get to another one, Nick, should the running back play be improved with Mike Davis coming out and Tyler Algier and, uh, Damian Williams coming in with Cordero Patterson coming back again, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter are very good runners. The running game should improve. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for optimism. 
can that also help the center position knowing that I've got more options out of the offensive backfield in the run pass in the RPOs? Yeah, that definitely should help. And I think the biggest thing that'll help the run game is uh, you kind of mentioned it here. We, we can get into some of the specifics, but <clears throat> the quarterback change should help them a lot. This is going to be a heavy uh, play action bootleg centric uh, off offense. And in order to keep that back uh, unblocked side edge rusher, um, you know, schemed out, they have to actually respect the quarterback that can take off, you know, on a zone read or a bootleg or anything like that. And, you know, just math, math, uh, math wise speaking, taking out that one extra runner or a defensive defensive player should help the uh, run game a good bit. So I think that'll help the scheme and the run game overall should be improved. The biggest thing will be the offensive line. Um, I am excited to see what uh, one of my favorites in this draft class in uh, Tyler Algier. I don't think he's a superstar, but like where you can take him. I'd like to, I'd like to uh, take a shot on him um, can do with this, uh, this team as well. You need a little bit more thunder and uh, yards after contact ability. Now that, in theory, again, you should have one less guided uh, to worry about in the front seven with the more mobile quarterbacks. And a real quick programming announcement. Uh, there is no beckoning the Broncos today on Mile High Huddle, which I usually produce at the top of the hour. So we're going to go through this. We can we can hold on to this one a little bit longer. Nick, if you've got to go, um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it going. So uh, I'm not in any rush to get out of here like I can be at times. Uh, I want to address the second part of Chris's um, comment with a comment from Dave, who also says, are you sold on Michael Walker at inside linebacker next to Evans? Uh, and and, and uh, Chris had said, you know, he thinks linebacker is one of the best positions on the team. I, I agree. I think there's pretty good depth at the linebacker position. And, and am I sold on Michael Walker? Not 100% as a full-time starter, uh, but... I do like the combination of Troy Anderson, Michael Walker, and Rashawn Evans. I think that is a pretty good group of three that you can run out there depending on who wins the position schemes. Michael's good in coverage. Uh, Rashawn's steady against a run, and I think Troy Anderson's got the chance to do a little bit of everything. I think he's he's such a good athlete, and his instincts, a guy, like I've said, you look up football player and wiki, and his freaking picture should be there. The guy is just pure football player throwback of sorts at the inside linebacker position uh you know what is uh, a throwback here it says good show gents was a bit late well you're here we love you for it ethan coming in orange with the 25 pounds do we have a sponsor today uh yeah you know we do we should uh we should talk about that and i actually put ryan kennedy homes in the description on youtube uh, if you were, if you're looking for a home in uh the metro atlanta area or looking to sell your home in the metro atlanta area uh, check out ryankennedyhomes.com. Um, and I've got that spelled multiple ways that you can still find it. And let me see. I'll throw up a, a screen on this real quick. Share screen. Here, Ryan Kennedy Homes. Ryan Kennedy Realtor. She's killing it. She, uh, yes, that is my wife and she is enabling me to hang out with you guys. So <laughs> she's paying for my depravity and my, uh, my football problem that I've got. So, uh, killing it again, Mary over your head, gentlemen, it makes you a better man. Uh, it makes you, you know, don't, don't ever let them know that, uh, they could upgrade at any given time. <laughs> so treat them right. Uh, that's my, uh, life advice for, for the day. <laughs> so Thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. Um, another question on here. Actually, there's a couple of them in here I wanted to hit on. Um, and Chris, I agree. Talking about the safety play. I hope the safety play is improved. Roderick Cook says, I got one to be optimistic about. The nice new helmet. Hell yes. I cannot wait to see the red and the whites. I am definitely looking forward. Um, Willie says, everybody's overlooking Atlanta Falcons 2022. Go Falcons. I think he said they are going to make the playoffs. I'm not that optimistic. That would be coach of the year material. If if the Falcons make the playoffs, just give Arthur Smith coach of the year. Uh, if he can do it with a $150 million payroll, they should be winning the Super Bowl when they've got everything else. And uh, and Joe comes in. Joe says, what's Deion Jones's future looking like with us? Uh, Nick, you want to hit this one or you want me to take it? Uh, Deion Jones is probably very close to the end of his career in Atlanta. Um, I still a little bit skeptical about the timing of his surgery, um, and everything that happened this year. Maybe that's just me being a skeptic, but, uh, he seems to be a, 
a piece that maybe doesn't fit as well in the scheme as well. Um, the three, four, and uh, definitely somebody who's winding up to be a cap casualty in the future when it's possible to move on. Yeah, I think he fits better in a four, three as an outside. Um, he's not an edge and he's not a big jumbo inside in a three, four. Um, the problem is you have to pay him to go away. I mean, his dead cap number, his cap hit is 20 million. His dead cap is 24 million. If I haven't said it already, and I know I have, so I'm kind of kidding on this. Thank you, Thomas Dimitrov, you freaking moron. It's criminal how much money. If I if I stole and wasted that much money of Arthur Blank's money, I should be in prison, for God's sakes. Um, Man, if you can hold out one more year, his dead cap number is just five next year. Um, You know, cut him next year. You know, keep him around for one more season and then cut him next year. Because you don't really get any salary cap relief. You can cut that in half. His dead cap number is 25. You can cut that to 12 across two years. 12 and a half across two years. Then you get some of that money back. You get $8 million. But what's $8 million going to do for this team? They're not a contender. I'd rather have the full 20 back next year. Um, And if they they were to get rid of them, that would pump up the dead cap number to almost $75 million. (laughs) $75 $75 million in dead cap. People talk about, this is one of the conversations we have, and, it, and I see it in the background when we talk about uh, when we talk about the salary cap doesn't matter. The salary cap is flexible, and you can move around it, but the key is to make sure that the guys that you are extending on those long contracts can still play. Because as soon as they start regressing, and you've got a dead cap number of $25 million, man, you're stuck. You are in the Falcons situation. Now, if you've got Aaron Donald on that and you extend him and he's got a dead cap number of 50 and you're paying him 20, so what? Who cares? But Deion Jones, you're stuck. He's got a $20 million cap hit and you can't get rid of him. He's not paying it 20. You know, what What do you think that Terry, that Terry Fontenot could do with that $20 million for God's sake? He's been bargain shopping and, and hunting. Give him $20 million, he's going to think he just hit the freaking lottery. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's another reason um, that things should be better here soon. It's because it's, it's down this season, uh, the amount of cap spending, but you're going to have a lot of money to play with next year. And maybe even you want to roll that over until uh, you stack another good draft class. <clears throat> but uh, we have Roderick Coke coming in here uh, saying, yep, Scott, demented Dimitrov nutcase. Um, I met Dimitrov a few times at the combine um, and I, I did appreciate, <clears throat> excuse me, appreciate that uh, he always took the time to stop and ask and talk questions and didn't seem to be, you know, too, too big for anybody. So uh, Mm -hmm. I do have a little bit of a soft spot for Dimitrov because he does seem like a genuinely good person, but uh, definitely did not leave you guys in a good spot. Nothing personal. He just wasn't, wasn't overly good at his job. Um, He got by on it because for the first time in the history of the Falcons franchise, they were able to spend some money and he did. And if I spend enough money, I'll hit on a few of those guys. Um, But it was very, uh, very poor. Again, it was what 2011. They were 13 and three, and then it was downhill from there. They had a nice run in 2016 to get to the Super Bowl, but they they never reached the heights of 13 and three. And when Mike Smith was fired, uh, Dimitrov should have gone with him. Yeah. Um, and instead, they kept him around another five or six years. And here we are. Here we are. So on that note, here we are. Uh, Nick, I think it's probably about time to, for us to get out of here. I want to say thank you to Mark Schrader and to, uh, Ethan for coming in big for us on the super chats. And thanks to all of you, all of you for, uh, for joining us today. Um, we are on Spreaker. We're forging the Falcons on Spreaker on Amazon, on Apple pods. So, you know, come find us, listen to us after the fact, I'll put links in the, uh, in the description of the YouTube page. Um, Give us a review. Every little bit helps. Uh, on that note, programming note today, Wednesday, you are on tonight on Mile High Insiders. Uh, I'll be producing. And then tomorrow we'll be, we will be back for uh, building the Broncos on Mile High Huddle. Yep. Nick, any absolutely. final words before we get out of here? So I guess you, if you've got any final words, and then I'll wrap it up. Uh, no final words. Uh, you know, I always say choose kindness and choose compassion. Hopefully everybody's... Uh, had a good 4th of July weekend, safe, and uh, hopefully everybody's having a good summer, enjoying the the downtime uh, of football right now. I know I am. I got plenty of uh, plenty of trips and stuff, and uh, this move, like I mentioned earlier, that I got to get through now. So uh, 
appreciate you coming on. It's always fun. I missed you guys um, for the last, gosh, what was it? Two weeks. I've been so freaking busy and then COVID as well. It's unbelievable how much things just stack on top of each other, but uh, fun to be back. Fun to talk some Falcons again. It is. And uh, again, I think, you know, we went through 10 to 12 reasons to be optimistic reasons that things could go well. The problem is you're not going to get yeses on all of those. Some of those are going to be no's and some of the ones you're expecting to be yeses are going to be no's. When you've got a team with this many questions, you're not going to be a really good team. And that's okay. It, it is. This, this, this season could and should be rock bottom. When you're talking about, again, 65 at 63, 63 million in dead cap money, you're playing with 70% of your roster. Again, 10, $6 million players could be added to this team. Now we're talking. Arthur Smith has playing with one arm tied behind his back. Terry Fontenot is playing with both arms tied behind his back. I guess my final one reason for optimistic is the receiving core should be better. Drake London should be an upgrade on Russell Gage as the number one wide receiver. No offense to Russell, but Russell is a two or a three, uh, a very good player. But Drake London was drafted to be a number one. He should be a very good receiver right out of the gate. Reason to be optimistic. On that note, Nick, I'm going to get us out of here. Thanks to everybody for being here. We'll be back tomorrow on Mile High Huddle on the YouTube channel. So check us out there. And we will be back next week on Forging the Falcons. Uh, Until then, we'll see you next time. And thank you for being here.